And he, there was like this, this stunned silence for a minute, like, who is this guy? Oh, my God, he's so hard. But the point I was trying to get across is a lot of the ways to build your business acumen is right in front of you if you take advantage of it. It isn't through a conference necessarily. It isn't through being certified by this external agency. It's through getting to the business that exists within your company. of Alabama's Cobras College Business, it's Bam Means Business, a podcast that reveals amazing stories most people who both inspire and make a difference in our community. I'm Cole Stevens, on the show today, Dennis Schuler. This is our fourth part of our five-part series with Dennis, in which he talks about some of the lessons he learned in management, especially in HR, during his time at a multitude of different companies. That's amazing. Obviously, so you have this, this one-year role uh, that you complete. Uh, where's life take you after that? Um, then, you know, again, a life is full of connections and, you know, in some way serendipity. I happened to have a call from one of my friends who used to work with at P&G, who was thinking about leaving the company to go work for this company that had just bought by private equity. It was a home alarm company in Europe. Okay. And he says, what do you think? And so I spent a couple hours with him, kind of giving him the pros and cons of leaving the company because I'd left and he wanted to get my, my story. And then literally the search firm called like an hour later and said, uh, can you give a reference on this guy? And I couldn't obviously say anything that we had just talked, but I said, this guy's terrific, blah, blah, blah. It was backed by a private equity company. So okay. when the, this executive's name is Austin Lally, who's another one of these fantastic leaders. Um, and uh, I think Bain Capital and Hellman Freeman had joint ownership of the business. And when Austin went in as the group CEO, he was replacing two founders one that ran the business out of Madrid, the other one ran it out of Melmo, Sweden. He was becoming the group CEO. He asked me, could you come on help build my team? <clears throat> I said, hmm, Melmo, Madrid? Sure, why not? Why not? So I spent, I think it was six or seven months helping Austin as the new CEO and then helping build his team. Okay. And then Bain came to me after that. They liked my work and said, would you be willing to come run our North American portfolio from a, from a talent standpoint? And I say, yeah, I'd love to. And they said, well, you got to move to Boston. And I go, that's not happening, guys. And my son, you know, his medical system is in Cincinnati. I just won't move, can't move. Unbeknownst to me, Sun Capital, which are distant cousins of Bain, okay. um, they called. And I thought they had a, the most mature viewpoint on, on working. They said, we don't care where you work from okay. as long as we don't have to care about where you work from. Now, just think about, it's a play on words, mm -hmm. but it's a very mature insight in terms of we don't care where you're located as long as we don't have to care about where you're located. In other words, get to where the work is mm -hmm. and attend the meetings you need to attend to. Where you choose to live is your decision. Oh. I thought that was awesome. It's honestly a lot of trust on an employee <clears throat> to make that kind well, I think of it was mature. It was wise. It was wisened. Um, it's certainly uh, in today's world with COVID and the whole work from home thing, they were ahead of the curve. Yeah. I and mean, the virtual home thing was a thing that started in at least the 2010s. Yeah. But no company wanted to take that or embrace yeah. that. You know, because the old adage is, if I can't see you working, you must not be working. Yeah. Well, some, some was advanced way beyond that. And, like, and I was working for um, an executive, Bruce Roberson, who's fantastic, McKinsey uh, guy, who's just brilliant. He's like, don't make it an issue. You know, just get to the meetings you need to. And I said, 
that's all I need to hear. So I spent five years with them, commuting in and out of Florida. Okay. And worked across um, the average size company was about 125 million. Okay. And it ranged from healthcare companies to building products companies to hospitality to uh, heavy industrial. So the whole gamut, about 35 different companies. And so I did all the C-suite recruiting Okay, because a lot of these companies were founder led and the founder was going to take the check and retire. So we needed a CEO or we needed a CFO or whatever. Yeah. And that was my role for five years. And I literally just left them last August. And wow. so I was like intent on, hey, now's the time to kind of throttle back. I'm no spring chicken <laughs> by any means. And um, three other private equity companies called and said, can you help us? And I go, okay. And so I'm literally working full time again, but across three different PE shops. Gotcha. Uh, all have different ways of thinking about their businesses, which that diversity is exciting to me. And in my spare time, my son and I are trying to get a, we just bought the land. We bought the franchise. We're big dog lovers. Okay. So we're going to be uh, building a franchise, excuse me, called Central Bark Doggy Daycare. That's good So name. we'll manage about, you know, about a hundred dogs. So it'll be daycare. It'll be overnight sleepovers. It'll be grooming. It'll be training. There'll be a retail element to it. The whole suite. There'll be a puppy, package. puppy little hut where little puppies can play together. So we're, we just bought the land. Um, we'll be building the new building that goes with it. So we should be operational September, October. And it's a chance for me to work with both of my sons. Okay. Who have invested in as I have. So it'll be a family affair. That's, I mean, what's not the like when you have an opportunity to work with your two boys? Mm. I mean, that's, that's where we're headed. So, gotcha. So my role now is uh, working pretty much full-time in PE with three other companies, which I all admire. They have, like I said, different tone and tenor about how they go about doing the business, which makes it really interesting to me. And then carving out time to do this little startup activity with the franchise on dog care, mm -hmm. which is more of a, you know, it's not an occupation, more of an interest area. Mm -hmm. To my kids, it'll be an occupation. But for me, it's I'm just interested in helping them. So uh, life insurance pretty good. And again, I come all the way back to Alabama to the connections that were made for me. I'm trying to do the same for people here. So I come back here. I try to get back here at least twice a year. I come to the board meetings that I'm on, on okay. the board of visitors, but I also try to get back here a couple additional times for a day or two of teaching. So I did Ron Dulux class yep. this morning have lunch with a bunch of students this afternoon, one-to-ones with a bunch of other students. All part of, you know, if I can, if in any way, shape, or form, some small impact it can have on how people think mm. about what their future is going to be by virtue of those visits and an opportunity to come back, that's what I do. That's what you And obviously, we, we covered previously, like, your experience here mm. at grad school and being so impactful, yeah. and you learned a lot, especially on covering cases. Uh, there's sort of, like, one couple questions more just covering mm -hmm. your your theory and philosophy mm -hmm. on the human resources side obviously you're very sought after talent wise you have a reputation for really growing companies and you know choosing the right people but when you look at hr right now yeah. human resources yeah at least the way it's taught i want to say in general across country is more from how do we deal with people in situations like when, some, when someone comes up how do we respond to make sure the correct outcome is yeah played 
I think you take it more as a holistic approach, though, when you're looking at people. That's correct. Could you explain a little bit more? Yeah, I, I, I guess where I'd capsulize it is that um, if you if we just talk about HR for a minute, human resources, um, it's the only function that still is in search of what it's supposed to do. Even the name, if you just go online and you look at what people call themselves, they might be chief people officer, they might be chief uh, chief rah-rah officer, chief HR officer, there must be a whole bunch of names. Marketers don't sit around saying, well, how should we title ourselves? They're marketers. <laughs> people that run manufacturing plants, they like, they're supply chain people. So yeah. we're, I think we're the only function, I can say we, the HR people, that still are kind of in search of what do we stand for? Here's my premise is that, um, and Susan taught me this. Susan, going back to Susan Arnold at P&G, I remember her telling me, she says, listen, you're only of use to me if you can get in front of me on the business. So you better know my business well, or I don't need you because hmm. you won't be able to keep up. And I thought it was a sobering but right message that, you know, learn the business, learn the craft, and then bring your HR skills around observation of how do you design organization, what makes people tick from a motivational standpoint. You bring that to bear, but in the context of the business. And what I find, and I sound like an old guy now, Cole, uh, and I am, but I look at it through the vantage point of time that um, – the, or, the, the function has been overly specialized. You're a recruiter mm. or you're a talent development person right. or you're a, you're a DEI person or you're a trainer or, or you're an employee relations person. Fill in the blank. You're very siloed. You know, you're very siloed. And that's it. <clears throat> and what's happening is that folks are moving up those silos into big roles. Well, they've not done all the other aspects of the role. So they only know their part, they don't know everything else. So they get marginalized. So it's kind of like, you know, the old adage, I want a seat at the table. Well, HR's had a seat at the table. They just can't eat the meal that's being served in mm. many cases. And that's because the meal that's being served is strategy in business. Right. So, and again, I'm generalizing. There's a lot of really talented HR people out there, much more talented than I am, to be blunt. But I also do see the other end of it, which is, a lot of people being marginalized because they've never got to understand the business. Now, I had two years an undergrad as an accountant. My friends were all wanted to be CPA, so I said, eh, I'll become a CPA. Why not? After two years, it's like, no way. But it taught me how to read a balance sheet. So Which I can is... go in and look at a balance sheet and understand how the company makes money. Um, you know, I went to, uh, I'll tell you a story about Kellogg, and Kellogg people will forgive me for this, but um, my first meeting with the Kellogg, we had 250 people come together. I was new, so I brought them all together to Chicago. And we went around the room around stop, start, continue. What do we want to start? Do we want to stop? What do we want to continue? One of the starts was we want more training for HR. And they wanted to get sponsored to go to SHRM. This is Society of Human Resources Society. It's a big outfit that, quote, certifies HR people. Okay. Which I'm not, I'm neither a fan, I'm agnostic on it. It's like, yeah, it's there, but I don't pay much attention to it, to be honest. Um, but I told myself, listen, I'd be happy to sponsor you folks on that activity until you, but until you do the following. And let me give you three examples. Every Thursday afternoon at three o'clock, the salespeople at Kellogg walk the stores. And you can go with them and they look at price points, they look at competitive activity on the shelf. 
You get to meet with the store manager. They talk about what's happened with the business. You look at the end caps in terms of what's featured. You get an immersion in terms of what's going on from the consumer and the shopper. How many of you have ever gone and done that? Not a hand goes up. Second example, our chairman of the board was head of Leo Burnett, big advertising agency. Leo Burnett would come and they had they were the, the big agency for Kellogg. They every, well, periodically they'd be in and they'd do brand reviews. They were open to everyone. I asked the HR group how many have attended a brand review, which speaks to where are we going with the business? What's the equity, we're, what's the brand equity we're trying to create? What's the innovation plan to get us there, et cetera, et cetera? Not a hand goes up. Right. The, last, the last example was manufacturing. The plant was 1.2 miles from the headquarters of Battle Creek. I made it a point to go out there a lot. I'm just a rat in manufacturing. How many of you have been inside the plant to see how cereal's made? Not a person. So I said, when you do one of those three things and come back to me and tell me that you're not being developed. And the, there was like this, this stunned silence for a minute. Like, who is this guy? Oh, my God. He's so hard. But the point I was trying to get across is a lot of the ways to build your business acumen is right in front of you if you take advantage of it. It isn't through a conference necessarily. It isn't through being certified by this external agency it's through getting to the business that exists within your company. Like my favorite two questions I ask students when I used to recruit down here is the first one, what did you read, what did you read this morning in the Wall Street Journal? And a lot of kids blinked. And so I said, okay, let me be nice. CNBC or Forbes or Forbes. I tried to help. Yeah. And most of them didn't. So it's like, are you taking your profession seriously? Because that is the Bible. The Wall Street is the Bible uh, to business people. Um, the, the second question is, tell me in a couple paragraphs what you think the strategy of our company is. Mm-hmm. You can get this all public domain. You can deduce it. You know, graduate websites student, now, yeah, everything the, is yeah, the graduate available. student can deduce it. It just helped me understand how thoughtful they were about their profession, their occupation they were going to assume as a career. So back to HR, you know, I'm not trying to sermonize here, but I think uh, what's happened is if HR people would spend less time worrying about their titles, am I a chief people officer or I'm a chief HR officer, I don't really care. It's can you, with your keen understanding of organization design, your keen understanding of what makes people tick, can you get that into the strategy so that you create a better organization? That, at the end of the day, is what good HR people do. Um, so I used I call it the holy trinity in private equity. When you hire a great CEO who has overarching responsibility for the business, you hire a great CFO who's appropriately looking at capital outlay, appropriations, funding, funding vehicle for initiatives, et cetera, et cetera, and keeping the books. And then the HR group that's assigned to building sufficient current and future capability to meet the strategy needs of the organization. Interesting. Well, when those three roles are in harmony, great things happen. Because you got all the bases covered on that. Yeah, so that's, that's why I call it the Holy Trinity. It is really CEO, CFO, CHRO together working in unison. That's what creates a really great business. And I think if HR thought about that a little bit more, it's like, how do I get to a business? So, for example, when I started, and I'm not suggesting this for everybody, but I wanted to start a manufacturing I wanted to learn how stuff got made. Where it came from. Because there's no margin there. It's like either you can or you can't. Either the boxes are being filled with product or they're not. And if it's not, 
somebody's rear ends on the line. So yeah. that whole accountability gets on your shoulders pretty quickly. And it just makes you better, I think, as an HR person to understand that. That concludes part four of our five-part series with Dennis Schuler. And thanks so much for listening to the show today. If you're not a subscriber, do subscribe to our podcast wherever you get yours. And of course, check out our website at callbrowse.ua.edu to learn more about the Callbrowse College business and what it has to offer. And as always, roll tide.